Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week, what we got in store for you is kind of paying homage to something that we love doing here. It's an extension of our We Make a Game series that has been continuing on throughout the years. We can say years now. It's kind of crazy, right? Oh, <laughs> oh, and uh, happy 2023. We didn't say that in the last episode. Sorry, everybody. Happy New Year. Our <laughs> 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 right, bad. 2022 kind of went really, really fast. So feels yeah. like it never ended. Yeah, I know, right? It's still going. 2020 still living on. No. <laughs> That's a horrible <laughs> thought. But anyway, yeah, it is. <laughs> let's go on to something happy. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be going through some game ideas that we've had in the past. So me and Chris, when we worked together, we talked a lot about making games and just making content or something in the future. That was before making this podcast. And we want to continue on with that. We want to continue making things together. And we've been kind of floating around the idea of going back to some of the idea or some of the games that we came up with in the past. So we thought it would be a good idea to share those those games, to bring them to life, to have them out there in the ether so that you guys know about them. And if there's any titles out there that kind of spark your interest or something that you really like, let us know. and. But yeah, don't worry. All of them are probably going to be made at some point in time. Uh, I also have some games that I thought of and was actually working on for a little bit while I was in school. Uh, so I, I went to school at Full Sail University, got my degree in game design, and have a couple games from there that I was really excited about. And I really love those ideas, and I want to see them come to life. So this is kind of my way of bringing them back out from you know the dusty recesses of living in an old computer that hasn't been touched in a while <laughs> and seeing if they still have any legs. But yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about this. I think this is gonna be a lot of fun and we have some really cool ideas or at least we think they're really cool. So hopefully y'all enjoy them. And who knows, maybe you'll be playing them in the future as we expand a Qverse from not just podcasts but into an entire media mega structure superpower company thing, right? Who knows? Might happen. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what the future holds. But yeah, let's jump right into this. Uh, we didn't really discuss an order before, so ooh, I don't know. Why don't we start with the dwarf game? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So the dwarf game is one that has been we've been talking about for a little bit now, and it's a very simple concept. I I really do consider this style of game more of a confidence builder, one to get us comfortable with the flow of game design, kind of put us into the right mindset for some of the bigger projects that we have in mind as well. And it just sounds fun as hell. So it's a the basic idea behind it is it's a party game. Uh, you get multiplayer for uh, at least four players, if not eight, depending on the scope and range that we really want to go with this thing. Uh, but you are a dwarf in a cave. It's a top down view from what we're thinking. And there are treasures in the cave that you must acquire and bring them back to your home base, right? Or your cart or whatever it may be, the way to secure them. Now, the thing is, is that the whole map is basically darked out. 
And the only way to get to them is by running down some paths and you can break down walls in the way. But if you break down a wall that leads straight to the gems, well, you're also making a path for your opponents too. So I think that's where the excitement comes in. And we can add in some extra little flair and stuff like that too. But I don't know. I, I've been really excited about this title ever since we first you know, thought about it. Yeah, I there was so many times where I was like, what if this game was just a little bit different? Like, I remember in my mind thinking, like, what if it was kind of like, in, in a way, like SteamWorld Dig, where imagine, like, it's, you know, you, you're moving down, right? Instead of being, like, um, how we have it or think about it right now where it's kind of pulled back and you see the whole screen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's more so like kind of like a side scroller, right? You drop down and then you just start digging down or to the sides or whatever, you know, there's junk all around, but it, the map is big enough where it's not like the players will drop right next to each other. But if they travel far enough, you know, Oh, they could bump into each other and make it kind of crazy. And, I thought that was a really cool idea at first, but then I was like, one, that would be a lot more work. And two, I kind of like the, the, the older, more retro feel of just, you know, being like a top down mm-hmm. view. It, it's faster paced, you know? And I feel like if you want to make a good multiplayer game, especially one that could be played on a phone, at a party like it's better to have something quick or have a mode that can be fast and i remember we were talking like oh what if there was like a a super quick mode um it this game is really interesting because i feel like you just don't really see this kind of game anymore i mean when i think about it i think about like oh mr driller or dig dug you know a little bit right Bomberman, like it it sets itself up for it, right? Because you could treat it like Bomberman where it's like you make your little path, you know, you can use a bomb. I feel like bombs would be like a limited resource. Yeah, you I mostly think just it have would your be, pickaxe. I think it would be pickups that you can use. And it's like a Mario Kart style one use thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that would probably be the best way to at least balance it. And like yeah. as far as like, any add-ons for continued play i think it would just be aesthetic just to keep the balance there yeah i think you know there could be options like handicaps and stuff where it's like you know your basic game you find power-ups you could set a mode or a a setting where it's like you only go in with three bombs and that's it Mm. you know or there's some kind of like characteristic where it's like limited resources basically and you know, if someone, say, you run into another player, like, you can battle them, you can attack them with your pickaxe, and I think the hard part for me was, like, do we want it where it's, like, permadeath, or is it where they come back, spawn at the the starting spot with all their money dropped, right? I think, because I think that would probably make the most sense, right? Yeah, because it would it would piss off the person just enough where they would want to go and get back at their friend. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know, like I really like the idea. Like this it I would 
have fun playing this just because it's different. Mm-hmm. And two, it's just sounds like it'd be fast enough where you wouldn't be kind of like, okay, this has been going on for like an hour now. It you know, there'd be a time I think limit. it would be like a three to five minute match where you just yeah. go, you're good, and move on to the next match, right? I think like, you know, there'd be settings where like you could do like time limits, you know, like I would say the shortest would be I mean, you could even do a one minute mode, make it a very small map. Mm-hmm. Make it or, so it's like a one hit break through the wall instead of maybe like three hits or something, right? Yeah. Or, you know, there's, you know, a mode where it's like 30 minutes, right? Like it's and I think it'd be kind of cool to have those different ones. And with that, you can also select the size of the map. So, Mm. you know, if you want something quick, you could do a very small map or you could do a huge map for those long matches or you could do it for a quick one. That way you don't run and cross anybody and just, you know, get crazy digging right uh something i thought about you know because we wanted to make this arcadey i was also thinking you know one day say if this actually really took off it'd be kind of fun to add a mode where it's like like kind of like stats almost like Mm. you know it it'd be weird though because it'd be so opposite of what the game's trying to push and that arcadey everything's always equal but it would be kind of cool like i think i guess it wouldn't i think having like badges or like titles to the names would make Mm -hmm. that kind of interesting like what if you had like let's say you're for instance me meow pal the dwarf right it would be meow pal the pacifist like play five games without killing anyone right or you know like mm-hmm. map how the gem hunter you know get more than 10 gems per game out of like 20 games or something right like you can add in those little those little things because then people can then customize their character a, a little bit so that they other people know like oh this guy's pretty ruthless or okay i don't think i have to worry about them killing me but man they keep winning so like i gotta still look out for them i, I think that would be just kind of fun to add in there and you can have some like goofy ones too where it's like oh the the chicken right where you're just running away from everybody and we can try and keep a stat going there where if you've turned around and ran away from people more than you've actually ran up to them or right like just try and do it that way because i I do want to keep the the idea of it being more of a simple arcade game and i think that's the importance Mm -hmm. of having it as a one screen game i think that's really crucial for that vibe and because if it was a really big map where you kind of have to zoom out and you can't see anybody, I feel like that might kind of mess up the idea of this faster paced multiplayer experience where you're really up mm-hmm. against somebody. Because if you just kind of hide in a corner where no one sees you and just hope for gems to spawn, it seems like kind of like a cheapy way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And I-, I thought it would be really cool with the bombs if they can cause cave-ins where basically a wall is now put back where they were. So you can use the bomb. Mm. Like I was wondering like if the bomb really should be a way to attack somebody, but I mean in real life, like, right. Like if you stood too close to a bomb, then you'll blow up. So I guess it would have like a damage radius, but it would be interesting if it could cave in a walkway 
so that you can block back paths that you've created for other players. Or if someone's chasing you, you drop a bomb and you do a cave in right there. Right. Like that might be kind of fun to add in. Yeah. I was thinking, like, imagine, you know, you have a radius, right? And the explosion of the bomb, it'll blow up the rocks maybe like three squares out in all directions. But then on that fourth square on that ring, all of it gets filled in. Mm, yeah. Right. Like the walls get closed in around it because of like the the reverb mm -hmm. i think that'd, that'd be, be super really cool. cool yeah i i like that idea just because it's like it does it can be used as like a strategic thing yeah. you know and it's you know i like the title because then you know achievements i i think that'd be fun and you know i feel like i don't know if this would be a free-to-play game like i kind of feel like there'd be two ways to do it right like make this free and have like a battle pass where you it'd be like for New like skins little skins and you have to remember this game is not gonna be like high def like this is you know it's probably 2D. gonna be pixel graphics it will, let's be honest so. yeah so it's like it's not like you're getting anything crazy looking but it'll it'll make you stand out we'll put it that way but it was either that or it's like you know, there is a battle pass, right, that you could spend money on every month. Or if you buy the game, you get the battle passes for life. Mm, that would be pretty cool. Right? Like, think about it. Like, you, well, it's hard to say because I feel like, you know, a game like that, how much, like a battle pass normally on most games is 10 bucks, mm -hmm. but... I was thinking, you know, what if, you know, a battle pass a month, five bucks. But if you buy the game for 10 bucks, you get all the battle passes. Yeah, I and, mean, I'm all for that because I think the less like added transactions, the more transparency you have, I think the better in general. Especially yeah. if you're building up like a community fan base, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it might not be and, a get rich quick scheme, but it's still creating that fan base. It's, I look at it like, I'm a person that likes playing games that sometimes have battle, or not battle royals, fuck, um, battle passes. And, you know, there's times where I'm like, oh, I'll spend a month on it, but then it kind of goes to waste, or it, it just like, I don't know, it, it it's, it ends up being expensive, right? Mm -hmm. But if I end up really liking the game, you know, I wouldn't mind dropping the amount that would normally be a battle pass or two months worth and just get it all the time. Yeah. You know, granted, you know, you still, if you don't finish the battle pass within that time, you'll still like, you know, a new one will come. It's not like they'll be like always available. I know like Halo is trying to make that a new standard with their battle pass where it's like, you can forever get everything that's on the battle pass, which is a cool idea. And I mean, we could do that, but I also feel like how many levels are you going to add to this stupid thing, right? It's like, imagine like a hundred levels for a battle pass and then you add another hundred for the next season. It's like, I think maybe we follow like Marvel snaps way of doing that because they have like the season pass. 
Mm-hmm. So as you play, you level up and you can level up your character and your um, season pass as well, right? And as you level up, you unlock little tiny things that you go along. Um, if you pay extra, then there's extra unlocks, right? Mm. So I think what it could be is, let's say, for 2 or $5 a month, you can get access to whatever that month's theme is, like the extra pieces, but you can still get some of the the ones for just having the game right and then if you want to just buy everything outright you know like maybe 15 bucks and you just always have access to those extra unlockables hmm. i like that, that. that'd be a good way it's a nice little like teaser way of showing what's available but with it just being kind of cosmetic like that's kind of nice though right like it's not hurting anyone it's not giving anyone an unfair advantage while in the games it's not ruining like the meta of it so you never had to worry about balancing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it other than just like skins, like there can be like, even if you don't want to get a battle pass, like there's stuff still that you get. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe, you know what, instead of five, make it two. Mm-hmm. But if you want to buy it for 10, then you get it for life. Cause then it makes more sense. Right. Cause then you'd be getting like five months worth of battle passes, which, you know, Unless someone really falls in love with the game, I feel like it's kind of rare for someone to buy battle passes that long. I don't know. For me, as someone who doesn't play a lot of free to play games, like it, it's hard for me to keep a battle pass going. But if I were to just get it for ten bucks, it would just kind of be easier. Mm -hmm. I agree. Depending on, you know, looking at the game graphics wise and everything, it's like, I feel like that's also an acceptable amount as well. And, you know, there could be, you know, added things like say you get like a little pet that kind of follows you. Of course, they'd be pretty small, but I was just thinking that like a light pet, right? Because if if it's dark and like that pet also emits light. So now you have just like a little extra light with you. And mm-hmm. it could be like a, a walking candle, right? <laughs> like like a little spider candle that's just adorable or something silly like that, right? Or even like take a page from Don't Starve and make it like a, a chest that crawl, crawls around with you and you can store gems in there. So if they hit you, then your gems are fine. But if they hit your chest, then they can get your gems, right? Like maybe oh, that cool. way, that'd be kind of fun. Just like an extra little like scapegoat or something like that, but it doesn't really like break anything, right? It's just a another thing to kind of add on. Like maybe you can hold more now because you have that. So instead of having to deposit after five, then you can deposit after like ten or something, right? But that gives more be- that gives more risk because now you're holding on to ten gems instead of just five or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like, would that be like something everybody gets, like a pet? Because, you know, you don't want to yeah, create it where it's like, like break it either, right? Yeah. But I'm like imagining like a little like a little dog that's a just a walking chest, you know, called Chester, and it's like, or like just a treasure chest with four little legs and a tail and ears, you know, and it's like just following you around, like that'd be kind of cute, and. I like that idea. Like, I didn't think of something like that. I, I was more so thinking like, oh, just like either like a little candle or it just even following you around, mm-hmm. you know, like it'd be cool to add mechanics to it. But I feel like 
it it adds that like problem like okay like if people are able to buy these like there could be an advantage right but they might need to be i think anything that is purchased should just be cosmetic so utility items like that should be accessible to everyone that has the game i think it could be a setting you have where you could have pets and basically so going back to it you know with the battle pass you would just get skins for the pets mm-hmm. you know you could have we could do it where they're all the the same or you know certain pets have certain oh well, i don't want to say certain pets because i know some people will want to play a cat but they like the dog's trait and it would be kind of shitty to make them play a pet they don't want so that would be adorable I'm to thinking, make it like a customizable pet, right? Where like you have your utility item. It's like a chest, uh, a, a candle or something like that, right? Or mm-hmm. a bomb bag or right. But you can add it onto your pet. So you can yeah. customize your pet loadout that way. So like you yourself, you let's say you enter the game with a pickaxe and three bombs and that's it. But like maybe you put a candle on your cat. <laughs> so now it's a cat candle. A cat oh just a candle. <laughs> a can't a cattle. A cattle. Yeah. yeah, it's a kettle. <laughs> and so now it just emits like a little extra light for you so you can see a little bit further, right? Or you're able to put the chest on a dog or whatever it is, right? Like, I think that could be really adorable and fun. I, I don't know how much that might take away from gameplay or if it becomes unfair or how soon you give it to the people or how easy it is, or maybe it's just something you just have right off the bat and people can just play with different loadouts. So I don't know. I kind of like that. I I never thought about having little pets added, like special gameplay but that would make it fun you know because then it's not just always the same thing i mean maybe to be it for a different mode mm-hmm. you know but i think that would be I great for really like, like if someone really wants to get a specific title so they need to complete a certain achievement having these extra utility pets would probably help with that and then you can get weird with it which would be really cool like a, hmm. a a dark like a pact with a demon pet or something right and you have a dash now where you kind of like warp forward a little bit right like oh it's a time demon but the Ooh. dash isn't like that crazy you know but it is a little bit it gives you a little boost here and there but mm-hmm. whenever that pack like maybe it's a halloween pack that gets included with all that where you can ghost through a wall right but it's very limited charges or something silly like that. I like that. Like after like breaking maybe like 10 walls, you get a charge or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be good. Or you have like one or two charges and you have to return to base to get it again or something. Hmm. That way you play super strategically. I think that'd be really fun, actually. I like this. Yeah. I like these little ideas. Hmm. Yeah, but we we are, this is definitely one that we are actively looking to make pretty soon here. So be on the lookout. And we don't have a name yet, so any recommendations, throw it our way. Still don't know. Just not Dig Dug, it's taken. Yeah. <laughs> and Shovel Knight can't be done either. But something Dwarf, maybe. I don't know. We'll dwarf see. Fortress. Yeah, Miner 69er, you can do that, so. Oh. 
<laughs> just make a really obnoxious <laughs> game or name for that. <laughs> Everyone plays it. They're like, this is not what I expected. And you're like, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. You got another game idea for us? You want to float it out? Yeah. So this is a game that I've kind of always had on my mind. Uh, I think I've had this idea since like I was younger. Like I would say maybe like I like putting in game eras. Um, mm-hmm. I would say maybe like the PlayStation two era, but so imagine the scene. There's a world war going on, right? Every, every continent is at battle with each other. And you're you're no dummy to it, right? You are a classical musician and you you know you want to be known all around the world. But you know, with a world war going on, you know, the focus isn't on isn't on you, right? It's obviously on the war. So you're you're blown to the side, you know, you're your character has a, and this is a working part. We can take, I could take this out, but I didn't know if I want to make them like an alcoholic or if they have like some kind of like problem, like not an addiction, but something, I guess something like that. A vice, but right? I feel like a you vice, need a vice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you want to become famous. So what I thought, was it's a strategy game. So think like maybe Tactics Ogre kind of, or Final Fantasy Tactics, but classical music. Hmm. And you're probably wondering, well, how does that work? Well, either I was thinking, what if instruments were your your squad? And basically, you know, you had to have like your ensemble and you would go to other continents or different venues and you would battle other classical musicians and sometimes maybe artists or bands from other types of music. And you're trying to overtake the world and battle them with music. And it was hard for me to think about this at first because of Dean, back then, I was like, oh, what if it was more like a a rhythm game right. instead of like a strategy game? Went, right. And I was like, oh, well, that could work too. You know, I was thinking, what if it was, you know, looking at it now, I look at like Metal Hellsinger or, you know, um, Crypt of the Necrodancer, like something maybe with music in that sense, but with classical music. And I know a lot of people don't like classical music or don't care for it, but I don't know. It'd just be kind of cool. Like imagine being Mozart and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to go and screw up Beethoven right now, you know? And it's like mm-hmm. these like epic battles of just like music, but you're not really doing the music. You're just like, doing something to it and i don't want to steal crypt of the necro dancers idea where you have to jump to the beat i kind of like metal hell singer where it's like you know you shoot to the beat which is kind of interesting but i don't 
I don't really I don't want to use weapons, obviously. So it'd be an instrument of some sort. So I'm what if thinking, it's the personification of pieces? Because you know how each piece of classical music has a theme behind it, right? Whether it's Ode hmm. to Summer or whatever it is, right? And like each one of your members or your allies or comrades ha- are a personification of that musical piece. And whenever you do, let's say, an attack or whatever it is, you have to do it to the beat of that piece itself. So if it's something like a like a a war charge kind of music theme, then it's very fast paced. But then if it's a a sonnet or something like that, right, like it would be a little bit more slower, but that could be more of a magic based attack or a healing spell or, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Kinda, I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what, like I'm trying. It is a very interesting idea. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time visualizing combat. That I think that's the hardest part for me because I'm thinking like already like oh when you face off against like say hip hop artists like it's classical music but you're doing beats with it and I'm just trying to think like how would the combat fully work because originally when I thought the strategy I was like. Oh, it's kind of it'd be kind of cutesy looking. It wouldn't be super dark, but now that I'm thinking about it more with different kind of combat, I'm wondering if I, like you actually teach a little bit of musical theory in this, where if they hmm. do harmonious like sounds, right, or you're playing notes that actually do go together that would increase a combo meter, right? And maybe it's a more of like a turn-based style game where you have your 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 notes and you have to play your notes in a certain order in order to get a nice sound. But if you repeat notes over and over and over again because you found that one worked, then it's going to slowly people will slowly lose interest and it won't be as impactful anymore meaning that it's not as potent of an ability, right? And it, it could be just like that, right? Where it's a just like a turn-based battle system where you're going back and forth playing notes uh, to one another, playing little, little parts of the tunes. Or even, I mean, shoot, like, I don't know, it could be like a card game, right? Where each card is a different note, and as you draw them, you have to put cards in the right order, and, like, they play that way right well they'll play like the cdge right whatever it is and actually create moves and attacks based off of that oh i didn't think about cards i'm like thinking of like rhythm heaven almost Mm. something like that style there's something to this It's, it's a very interesting concept and i think that's something that definitely needs to be thought about a little bit more because i i like this idea i like the idea of having music be the main proponent to like the battle system itself i'm just wondering mm-hmm. where does that live right like what it without it being the obvious rhythm game I, I think that's something that would make it stand apart and be completely different is if you're able to break away from the idea of it being a rhythm game yeah that that's what i wanted to avoid Ultimately, I wanted to do like something with a more traditional style, but bring it with music. And it doesn't have to be classical music either. I just thought it'd be more 
interesting to see it taken in a more like aggressive approach, but it could be like any kind of music, honestly. But I like the setting of like a war with like classical music. Like it'd be kind of fitting. That'd be really cool. I, I do really like this. I still keep going back to turn based ideas. Like, what if the music is actually like personas that you have, right? Like, if we're, if we mm. go like the persona route, right? And each per, like, you can equip different styles of music to each person, or you, you get different types of musicians in your party. And each one has a different type of music that they play. But whenever they do their move, like let's say you're just doing a basic attack, right? And you have like they, you have maybe a shoot, I don't know, like a violinist, right? Like they, you go and you you have to hit the beats of like or play the right order, right? I guess it would be kind of rhythmy as far as that goes. But if you play it correctly then you play it a perfect note and that means that you get extra damage but you can also play defensively by playing notes before the attack comes and hits you right like maybe there's something to that too where it's turn-based combat but it has like that rhythm element kind of built into it in order to make moves better which i know that some games have done that like you know like lost odyssey where you have to hit mm-hmm. the hit the button in the right time and it does a little bit more damage or it's a little bit more potent right just a little tiny bit better but nothing like crazy game breaking. So hmm. there's that RPG too that. that I just, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a really interesting one. And like the, every time you attacked, you had like a record that you would play and you had to like press the buttons with the, on the record at that certain like point and it would be better attacks or things like that. So that, that was actually really interesting. And then actually playing like Earthbound too, right? Because you can get, you can chain combos based on the heartbeats, which are in the beat of the music itself. So that, that's an interesting idea there too. So. I didn't think about that. I think there's something to this. This would be really interesting. Like you'd need a lot of really good music to put into it to, and find a way to make all those different styles harmonious in some way. Yeah, I think that's the hard part. But I don't know. This would be something I'd be interested in if I ever got like really talented with music. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm liking that Earthbound idea. Yeah, that's really hard to do on emulators. Almost impossible. But <laughs> it's a really great little yeah. like uh, concept to put into a game for sure. I like that one a lot. What about uh? What about you? I know there's a couple that we uh we've talked about and you've mentioned i know you got some good ideas yeah so there's one game that i've been wanting to make for a long long time i came up with this idea a while ago uh actually i came up with it while i was in a cultural anthropology class thinking about rites of passages and the masks that we wear and how we view society and how we are viewed in society uh and i made a game that spun off of that and took absolutely no ideas from there so (laughs) kind of went in a completely different direction but it was more of a think kind of like fantasy setting right like it could be the future where things are kind of like back to villages and things like that or it could be the very distant past but there's magic around right and you are a child or a teen or whatever it is, the protagonist, uh, you are living in a village and there you are a 
there's a major shrine within the village. Uh, I think after going to Japan and seeing all the the beautiful shrines throughout the the landscape, even in like city settings and things like that, it was just beautiful to see those things. Uh, but it, just to feel the importance of them and to know that someone was taking care of them was really uh, meaningful to me. So I, I wanted to have that there where there's just a shrine. It's just part of everyday life, right? It's It's there. And then at some point, obviously the shrine gets attacked uh, and you your father or the grandmaster whoever is in charge like is is struck down and you are there to witness it um and right before the big bad is able to open the doors that's when you're met with the first uh, deity that you talk to in this game now the gameplay style, I, I keep going back to like, at first I was looking at it as an isometric style game, something kind of like Tunic uh, along those lines. Uh, but with the abilities that you would get with each deity that you meet, I think would make it really interesting. And it really speaks on uh, personality traits, which I think is really cool to do. Uh, but the first one you would get is strength, which I think would be appropriate for a, a like an action-based style game or an adventure game so that you can actually defend yourself and fight back. So with each deity that you meet, you actually get a new mask that you can wear. Uh, and the masks give you special powers that are the animals. Uh, so each mask is an animal mask, and it's that animal's traits like personified, right? So the first one would be like a bull mask. So that means that you have strength. You have, uh, you're able to attack and you're able to defend yourself. Uh, but if you wear the mask for too long, then it starts having some negative repercussions on you, where your strength now turns into fatigue, and your health might drain faster whenever you're using these attacks because you're pushing your body too far past its limits, right? Or let's say we get to the next deity, and it's the fox mask, which would be speed, uh, speed or cunning. Uh, and after you're super fast for a short amount of time, but it takes a toll on your body and now you're super slow as well, right? So there's always going to be a good and a bad to them. I think the biggest one that I thought of with the owl mask, which would be wisdom, uh, it would give you the ability to see secret passages that you did not see before uh, and ways around the map and things like that. But if you wear it for too long, the idea of what is real and what isn't anymore starts to blend and maybe you start getting attacked by creatures that aren't actually there, which I think would be really interesting to do. So it, it's kind of that was basic idea of it and make it an action adventure game. I really was focused a lot on the story wise um, aspects of it before even thinking about mechanics. But with the main villain, I really wanted it to be something with the idea of greed. So they are... Mm they have greed as a mask. So that's the whole point of this is that when you first get introduced to the main villain, they are already wearing a mask. They are wearing the greed mask. Um, not sure which animal that would be yet. I, I'm still having a hard time personifying that one. Uh, I have a few in mind, but I just, nothing really felt right. Like maybe a snake, maybe, right? Like there, there's different ways to go down this road. But I actually, my favorite one that I've thought of so far was what if the mask is actually just a human mask? And that's the mask of greed. So that, that was kind of my little extra like nod to everything, right? Like I kind of like that idea the most. So just kind of 
putting all that together and just trying to figure out who the villain is, why they're actually doing this, what's their main goal, right? And I, I really like the idea of whenever stories make it that the villain is not just a bad guy, right? There's no such thing as just a bad person. Everyone's motivated by different things. And maybe under different circumstances, this person's um, like your main character that's quote unquote hero could have ended up in the same exact situation as the one that's wearing the greed mask now, right? Uh, so I really want to to play up that idea and make the characters feel for the villain at some point in time. Maybe it could be a great reveal at the end where the greed mask falls off and it just shows a normal human crying that they're grieving and their their greed is that they don't want to lose the one they loved and they that's why they were seeking this power, right? It could be something like that where it's a very real human emotion that's being played out, but just to like the 10th degree, right? Where now there's nothing that will stop them from achieving their goal. So that's that's the main story of what I, I've been wanting to work on here. And I really love this idea. And I've done a little bit of artwork for it as just starting to get the ideas out, of, out there. Um, I think last year I did the world building challenge. It was a drawing challenge on Instagram. Um, by mm -hmm. I think it was Matt Draws I believe it. I'll have to look that up again um, but yeah so I did some artwork there you can see it on my Instagram if you want to see the kind of ideas that I'm looking at but I, I don't know I really like this idea a lot I, I think it would be a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to play but it always has a scope that kind of scares me that's why I think this will be a uh, maybe like a game two or game three kind of thing because I I feel so passionate about this one. I, I want it to be done right. So, but also that idea of making it perfect could kill it and never have it being made, right? So it it's one of those things where I, at some point I have to just kind of let go. I remember this was like one you always were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, and it always sounded so damn cool. Like, I I didn't know about that greed mask, and I'm like, damn, like that's actually a really cool take. Um, it to me, like, I feel like I know there's been games with masks and you get different stuff, but I feel like nothing really like that. Um, I feel like maybe something's like. When I think about this, for some reason, my mind kind of goes to like nobody saves the world mm. a little bit, where you get different like abilities and things like that. Different abilities for the different like bodies, but like I don't know, like this could be taken like in such a cool way, right? Like how you said, like you know, one mass will give you some buffs, where the other one gives you debuffs, and then you know mm. you could lose your mind and stuff, and it's. It's interesting because you could create like a sanity meter, almost like what Internal uh, Darkness has, where you know it could play around with the screen, you know. So it's not just enemies on the map, but like, you know, you'll see like almost like the Lost Woods in Link to the Past, mm -hmm. right? You go one way and it ends up just being like a loop, or you know, your screen can just go black for a minute, come yeah. back. And it's like a different path, even though like, you know, you don't, 
get magically teleported somewhere. It's just the skin of the area looks different or it's just it's something's off now. Right. Like, I like that. idea. Yeah. I, I also thought that because I don't know, whenever I write stories, I like writing them from the end first. So mm-hmm. I, I always thought of the final battle being um, where you take off all the masks and it's just you because you realize this entire time, even if you were wearing a mask that made you feel stronger, made you feel faster, made you feel smarter, you were still the one performing all those actions. You did these things, right? So there was, there maybe there was no ability, but it's, it's talking about the idea that we wear different masks throughout our lives to be more confident, to be more, to be more extra, more us, more of what we think we should be when we realize that like, you don't need those masks. You, you are the ones that, or you are the one that was performing those amazing feats all along. So that's kind of where I was, I wanted it to end on that note. I don't know if it's too sappy or not, but I, I do like that idea, though. I think it'd be really good, especially if you kind of framed it right. I think it could be really well done. Oh. Hey, I don't think it can be one of those like, and then the fairy says, it was you all along. You are the chosen one. No. <laughs> like, you did those things. No, it, it, there needs to be the interesting way of having that realization without it being too overly cheesy, which I don't know how to do, but we'll figure it out. That shouldn't be too hard. With something like such an interesting ending like that, it'd be, I don't know. I feel like you get really crazy with it. Yeah, I think we can have some fun with it. Mixing the powers and doing all that. Like, make it a crazy big moment, so. This next one is something that we both thought a lot about. And... To me, I feel like it might be the, (laughs) yeah, I feel like this might be the biggest game that we've thought of so far. And this is something I really want to see get done, but I feel like the way I want it to look and play is a lot harder than what I think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, I think back years ago and I used to mess around with RPG Maker and I thought, Oh, this isn't so hard, but you know, obviously when you start getting into the meat of that and wanting to make it basically not your typical RPG maker game, that stuff gets really hard. You know, that's why you see a a huge amount of those games out there. But for this game, my thoughts on it were, you know, imagine a, I I feel like we couldn't, like we wanted a turn-based RPG, but we wanted to make it so you can also play it as an action rpg yeah we kept floating Um, back and forth between those two ideas and i was thinking it'd be really cool and this is why i'm thinking oh this would be on the grand scale where you could decide which way you wanted to play and basically make two games in one I I mean, you could do like the Final Fantasy VII remake style where it's like action-y, but still has that kind of turn-based element to it. I do like that I direction like- now. I, I think when we first thought about this, that game wasn't around yet. So we didn't know that was a possibility, right? Or uh, there wasn't a good example to look at of how to do that properly. 
And I think that this game might lend itself very well to that style. Yeah. And well, it's, it's difficult because at first, um, so I guess we got to talk about the setting and stuff like mm, that. True. So we know what we're talking about. Well, they <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, when I thought about this, it, it felt a lot to me like something like persona in the sense that, you know, there are the demons in the world and, you know, it's, I'm trying to remember the exact way we had it framed, but it was like, there was different points or poles in the world. And basically they were kind of like portals or ways that, you know, demons could slip through, but they were, most of them were guarded, right? Like supposedly they were all secured, you know, there's been no issues with demons in the world and stuff like that. Or there are demons in the world, but the ones that are there like tamed, I guess you could say like they're like controlled. I I think we set it up as a, like a cybernetic kind of style, right? Where mm-hmm. these major companies were controlling these demons, and that's where their power and success was actually coming from. And you, being a hacker, found your way in through a firewall. But you know, when we think of the idea of firewalls, uh, this is an actual legit firewall, right? Like it's a it's a seal that's keeping the demon at bay. And you you start realizing that demons do exist. They are just being used as sources of power for certain companies and things like that. So it's, that's right. So in a cyber, I don't want to say cyberpunk, but just, you know, future, Mm -hmm. right. It's, I would say like, yes, corporations are very powerful, but they're not in full control. Like what a cyberpunk setting would be. Mm -hmm. I think this world is kind of on the edge where it's getting close to it like it this takes place in on earth you know so it has real continents real everything but you know it's between that line where you know countries still have their government but corporations are becoming so rich and powerful that you know some countries the corporations work with the government so they're like together other ones you know there's a competition between the two or competitions between other countries Mm -hmm. and everything in this world you know it it advanced very quickly and a lot of people don't know why and you know all your life you're kind of taught like oh demons exist you know they're most of them are bad there are some that are good but You know, you don't, because you're just a normal person, you don't see it. Uh, But the gimmick was, is that, you know, you're, you're a small time, like hacker, right? You just kind of mess around and stuff, but you find out that this big corporation in your country is using power from demons to make their corporations stronger Basically, their company runs on demon power because, you know, later do you find out that their big corporate headquarters is located right above a portal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this game was supposed to be kind of like a 
grand scale game. I remember we kind of had this thought where like, do we want to make this like one long game or do we want to break this up? Because it would be cool to have a very long game, but at the same time with the amount of detail I would love to see in this world, I think it'd be a lot better broken up and also a chance to explore other stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, you could have a game focused on one whole continent itself or one region. You know, for me, when I was thinking this, I, there were a few locations that really stuck out to me. Um, And, you know, Japan, of course, is that Neo Tokyo style, like very advanced, if not the most advanced in the world. Um, and I, to me, I feel like we both kind of agreed is that's kind of where you start is in Japan. Um, or it could be in America. I feel like it might be better in America just because that's where we're located. So it might be a little bit easier, but I still think Japan should have like you know, a very strong presence in the world, right? They're one of the most advanced. Starting in Japan, it actually allows us to add in more ideas of the yokai and like the demon lore from there because Mm -hmm. all of the ideas of the demons will be based off of actual folklore that's there, right? Like these stories came from somewhere. So I think that's, that's one of the big things that we wanted to harp on and we had a very hard time initially trying to think of where to start this game. And I think that's whenever we thought of increasing the scope of it, where if the game has a setting of being in Tokyo at first, then we can have all these crazy, cool demons that are Japanese related, right? Like that's the basis of it. But then let's say you go to Africa in the next game and now it's African lore that is feeding the the imagery and what things look like there right like so i i think that's where we kind of agreed on um making it multiple games in which you can explore different regions but it's all the same world in which that you are uh, going through yeah that's right so that's something that i thought was really cool too is that not only would you see like demons and ghosts and stuff i was thinking like what if we had like you know like heavenly bodies or like you know in folklore and stories there's those spirits that are not bad but they're not great either they're kind of like that middle ground Mm -hmm. kind of thing like they would be incorporated in it and like a fiend in chainsaw man so it's not devil but a fiend right yeah that's a good point i kind of like that um and, you know, with the state of the world, it's, I had a, a lot of different ideas about it, but the only ones that really stuck out to me were Japan. And then with Africa, I was thinking they would be, you know, that area would be maybe the second most advanced, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, they were able to harness a power that is a lot stronger uh, because it's more unified compared to other regions. So you see like a lot of like futuristic cities and places that you would look at now and be like, you know, you, you couldn't imagine it. Mm-hmm. And that was something I wanted to sh- like see in this game is that, you know, a lot of these countries that are even just continents in general kind of 
I don't say get left behind, but no one really, you know, you don't see like huge things like at least over here in America, you don't see those kind of things like in stories or nothing. And I would like to see like an advanced civilization from it, right? Like one that has risen through and gained power, right? And like another region would be like, I feel like we were going with Mexico, but I also feel like, you know, obviously there'd be some in South America as well. Like basically every continent, I feel like you could kind of have a spot, Mm -hmm. but there'd be also certain countries where there's like certain activity. Um, But you would always be kind of in that same region uh, throughout the different games. But something I really liked about this is that I would like to, you know, with the folklore and the spirits and stuff, it'd be cool to actually speak to people from those cultures, those regions and try to actually get like a realistic idea. Yeah. You know, I don't want to come in there and just steal culture from Wikipedia that are not my background. Yeah. Like actually get involved possibly paint it in a bad way or don't give a good representation of why either those spirits are mischievous or good or bad. Like it'd be good to paint it in a very real life approach to it, but also, you know, make it like a game, right? You can't make every spirit or demon bad you can't also make them all good. So it, it comes with that fine line of making sure you get it kind of right. But, you know, throughout your travels, you meet good demons, you meet bad, like, angels. You meet, it It takes different turns, right? And you, you end up realizing, like, oh, you are going to have to find a way to work with these non-human beings and i think you know we we had it where it was like did we do it where we battled them or is it i don't want to say it's going to be like a persona or pokemon where like the demons fight each other but you just kind of stay in the background like i i I feel like i think that would so i was just thinking about that right now of like how do we get the person into how do you get the player into this cyber world where the demons are right like because that's kind of one of the weird things because we were looking at it as like a mega man battle network style right like you jack in real Mm -hmm. quick and you have your avatar that goes and does its thing and that takes no explanation right like that's pretty easy way of doing it but yeah i think now because we've been flushing this over for years now actually uh, and there's a lot more reference points and things that we can kind of pull from, but I, I actually think that it might be interesting to have it where you are a hacker that has made a pact with a fiend and that mm-hmm. maybe the fiend is named Cypher, right? Or something kind of like techie, but he's able to, or it is able to actually get you in there and, and that's your, your portal in. Right. Like you fuse with Cypher to actually get to be able to see where these demons are being uh, are actually at, like where you're going through like this computerized network and, and fighting in there. Like you're you're fighting in the Wi-Fi or right. Like then the signals there. Right. Something like that. So. 
I like that. I I'm constantly thinking about how like oh this could be like Chainsaw Man where it's like you know you make a pact and mm-hmm. you know not everyone can make a pact with you know these or is willing other, right yeah and you know so you can take on different and when you do it it gives you different attributes different powers right and originally i was thinking oh well we keep the demons in the cyber world like like you said battle network but then you realize like they're not just in the cyber world they are in the real world as well Mm -hmm. and that's when you learn that you can make packs like this would be something maybe you find out early on is that they exist in the real world and not just in the virtual right like a lot of them tell you oh this is only possible in the virtual but it's you know when i think about that that's why i was thinking oh with the combat how would that work you know but i kind of like that where when you make a contract you kind of gain their looks too Mm -hmm. you know instead of chainsaws coming out of your head and your hands you know say Hmm. What if Cypher is like a like a glitched out little demon ghosty thingy, right? So whenever mm-hmm. you fuse with him, let's say you're wearing like a jacket or something like that, but now your jacket is like glitching every once in a while or like it has a glow to it, like a cybernetic glow. So it's something something aesthetic like that, right? Or he becomes the jacket that you're wearing and it gives you the powers that he has or whatever it is. Oh, I like that. Right, so it's like little little nods like that, like I guess kind of like Persona, right? They change their outfits and, and whatever it is. But I, I like that that look, right? And I think that might be kind of cool to <laughs> actually have like a, a slightly like glitching outfit because you're, you're fused with Cypher. And as you're playing through this game, you're getting more and more people in your group, in your little like hacker community that are trying to help out. And like you said, they're... Maybe like even in the opening, you're just a hacker doing your thing. And the the way you hack is actually, there you go. Here's our turn-based part of this. And then it goes to the action thing, right? When in the very beginning, hmm. you actually are just a plain old hacker. And you've made a program where like maybe you call yourself the program Kami, right? For God or whatever it is. And you have a little avatar that is like a little 8-bit like representation. It could be, which could be kind of fun. But you go into a system and you actually fight viruses or break down firewalls and do those things with your little hacker like version of you, right? But you don't realize that you are actually fighting real demons that are there. You just think it's a way that like you coded uh, different like security measures to be personified as little viruses that you fight right to make your way in so like that's your version of being a hacker and that would be maybe be like simple hmm. turn-based combat there but then you start seeing like oh you realize like maybe you you get a weird file right from it and you're like it's a weird encrypted file that's on a usb right and you're just sitting there like ah what the hell is this i can't figure it out well i'm just gonna go to bed screw it but then Cypher comes out from there. Like you found Cypher. And Cypher kind of alludes to the fact that there are others out there. And, you know, maybe you, oh, we did talk about like a mom and pop business too, right? That you were working at, like your father's shop that might be getting yep. overrun by a major corporation. And maybe mm-hmm. Cypher alludes to the fact that like, 
like maybe you mentioned a corporation's name and they're like, oh gosh, that's so-and-so. I, I hate that guy. And then you're like, who are you talking about? And he's like, oh, the devil, this guy, right? Like, and it's that's how you start finding out about the demons in the real world. The fact that mm -hmm. the demon's power is what's actually fueling this business that's kind of ruining the mom and pop shops around town and taking the wealth away from like the common folk, so to speak, right? So I, I, I like this. <laughs> I like it again. I think <laughs> with that, you know, with Cypher, it's like, you know, you're he was handed down to you or, you know, gained um, by, you know, the network at the store, right? But you don't know how he appeared there, mm. right? Um, it would come out later that your father knew, you know, because that's a shop. And, you know, your father would be tied, you know, there, there'd be ties to the corporation and stuff. And there's a reason why, you know, like, you maybe haven't, like, the business is still there, even though this corporation has all the needs that people need. Um, And, you know, you want to be the good child of your father and be like, I'm going to take them on or try to, like, you know, take them down kind of thing. And, you know, that this would be the first game, right? So it's like basically, you know, a big corporation is kind of like destroying your family's livelihood. So you want to get back of them and kind of expose the, the terribleness of it, you know. But then the second game that, you know, say takes place, I don't know, let's go with Africa. You you want to work on, you know, you realize like, I feel like it'd be cool to have a character that sees the potential of your whole region and wants to see it advance beyond uh, other places in the world, these other megacorps throughout the world. And, you know, so you are this person who is trying to, you know, benefit your area compared to the others. So in that game, you're kind of working on trying to unify all these other nations on the continent. And through that, you realize that there's, you know, a more sinister side to some of these, con like some of these nations and, you know, they don't see eye to eye they'd rather they don't want to follow you right they they want to be the leader mm -hmm. so it becomes more of like a internal kind of conflict and you know the, of course there'd be stuff that carries over between each game and then you know hopefully at the end you know people end up really liking it and we've already gotten a few games in have it where it really kind of all ties together right and, you know, I something that I thought about is that, you know, if we make these games kind of all like standalone, what where's going to be the big bad, mm. right? Like, where are they all going to converge and be like, we need to take this on? And I was thinking, well, it'd be kind of lame to be like, oh, we're just going to go to hell and fight everything there, right. you know? So I'm like thinking, you know, I don't want to pick a certain country or region is like this is where the the big portal comes from right like i mean at first it made sense where you know the 
the main headquarters from the first game would be the major portal. But I'm thinking, what if there's like a, a top secret portal that no one knows? And that's like the main thing. And there's like maybe, oh, that's the other thing we were talking about. There was a secret group that was for the demons, right? Like they're humans, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. they they want to, they're like conspiracy, you know, like they, they, they're not the people that run the world. Like, I guess you could say like, they're not the Illuminati, but they're the people that kind of agree with them. Right. They're the ones that, you know, well, they're they, they're, they're well, followers like, and they're the ones giving the demons power. Right. Because that's a common trope within like demon lore that's used a lot is the more people either fear or say their name, the stronger they are. So maybe mm-hmm. that's like this group. The, these different groups are connected to the demon itself because maybe the, the demon has done favors for them or give them some sort of wealth and prosperity in their life or semblance of normalcy. So they they follow the demon's path, right? So and kind of like give them the power that they need. Yeah. And, you know, with them, they would be like the team rocket to the story kind of right they're mm-hmm. the ones that are always going to be in your way you know they they may not work at the corporation they may not do all this but they're around and once they learn about you messing with the flow of things that they think you're going well with this power they they want to stop you right and you know i think back to what i was saying with you trying to unite those nations you know, they see that you're trying to change the flow of the world. So they become like your big enemies in that game mm, yeah. compared to, say, the first one where it's like you against the corporation kind of thing. So this is when you start seeing like, oh, there's a deeper group, like a, like, I don't say a terrorist group, but, you know, these guys. It's like Umbrella. These conspiracy right? guys. Yeah, they they have a lot of power, but at the end of the day, they really don't have a lot of power over the whole world. Mm-hmm. So that's when, you know, at the end of that game, you realize like, oh, there's people pulling the strings with the demons, right? So then maybe the third game, when you start dealing with like the Americas, like I figured with the Americas, you could just make that one big game and focus on both regions north and south mm-hmm. right yeah. like that could be the the big game so like say the first game japan it's small right small island but there's a lot to do on it and then because it's at that point almost all of the island is basically city right mm-hmm. there's some pockets of green uh but a lot of it's taken over and then you know um Africa's huge, so that would be a whole game. And you could maybe maybe mix in some of like the Middle East with it too. That'd be kind of interesting to mix that in. That'd be cool. But then um, you know, then you have I, I I think I was more so like interested like with the third game being the Americas or would it be like Europa or like Eurasia? And uh I didn't really decide I feel like it the Americas would be a little more interesting at that point. Cause that's when you start learning about like that super group that kind of has all the power. 
I think having yeah. the the third game be the Americas it allows for some interesting ideas because we are a mix of so many different cultures that would bring in de- demons from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So we could do it that way, right? Where the first two games are kind of focused on the regions that they're at, but America being what it is, it has pull and connections to all of it, right? Like there, there's pockets of like d- different demons from around the world basically living there. Yeah, like they they traveled from those other regions and they they are in like America and it's like I don't know, it'd be really interesting because that's that's it kind of ties into that supergroup because there's a whole collective collection of these different non-human beings. And you know, you realize like your character in that game like I haven't really thought about who you are in that. Mhm. I feel like that would be something I have to think about. Cause I'm like, damn, I like the first two characters, how they're like starting stories are, but I'm like the Americas, it would have to be kind of a big one. Cause you're realizing like a very strong plot point and it, it would have to tie in really well with the others. Like the tie in with two and one is that, you know, all of this is kind of going on around the same time. I feel like maybe the first game is like five years before two. Mm. Uh, So that way, like, you know, while the events are two are going on, you know, you, you learn about the stuff that happened in Japan and you're like, oh, wow, like, so this stuff does exist. Like this is why we need to unite. So this kind of problem doesn't happen anymore. What if three then, of the main characters are from one and two? It's ten years after the first game and five years after the second. So they've they've found out some stuff. They know some things, right? Like maybe the in the first game with it being in Japan, you have your main character. His demon pact is with Cipher. It could be like a short sword or something like that, right? Like as Cypher's weapon. But then with this, like 10 years later, finally this new character, this character from the first game comes back and he has like a, like a freaking like Sephiroth glitch blade. Right. And he's all like, has like a battle scar, right? He's older, he's aged and he's been fighting Mm. this fight for a while. So it kind of like ties everything back in together. Right. And it just makes it, kind of harmonious that way where the main characters are now a part of the same hacker group and they're they're the the uprising they're the ones that are they're coming together to to try and actually stop this thing from happening because maybe there's a collection of too much power in one area and they're actually trying to open up a true gate like in the other games they've closed smaller gates but this is a true gate like uh, one for like the ultimate bad that they both have to work together to close i like that like i'm thinking like you know it gives me like resident evil vibes right where each game's a different characters yeah and i i didn't think about maybe just ending the game at the third one that way it's a trilogy and so i'm thinking maybe the the games are actually bigger right so the first game is not just Japan, but there are some elements of the other like islands and stuff around you. Like even like Australia could be thrown in there. Mm-hmm. 
but Australia's like maybe half the size, mm-hmm. right? Maybe half of it was like sunk or blown up. Probably and, sunk by this point if it's in the future, right? Yeah. And then with the second game, like you your primary focus is Africa, but you know, Europe could play a part in it, right? Like that whole region. Um it's not maybe maybe you couldn't explore there, but there's a lot of connections, maybe like you know, because I don't want to say like you're a solo character, but you do get party members, right? Mm-hmm. So you you go there, you meet people, and the story kind of expands. I didn't really think much about Europe, but I think it'd be interesting. Maybe so then it's not like a freaking hundred hour game. You could do it where most of Europe was destroyed. Yeah. Right? Because you look at Europe and it's like what the second like powerful region, like it's at this point in the future, it's kind of like left behind because they were so um they were so focused on trying to catch up with the americas but then the americas kind of like bled themselves dry like this would be like the the current events that are happening right now right like russia obviously Mm. wants to fight with everybody and I think that's what uh, kind of nice about this game too is that it keeps evolving the more we the more time it has to really make it mm-hmm. flesh out this world. But what if like the Middle East, Europe, Russia area have been decimated by countless wars? Because those are the battlegrounds, right? Like most of the, like pretty much every war that we've been alive for has been fought in those areas. Like specifically Middle East areas. So why can't that expand out? I think that'd be kind of interesting. And I'm thinking, you know, what if like, say like Europe, Russia, like they're, they're left behind because they were so focused on war. And then with the Middle East, you know, certain regions are kind of left behind, but then other regions are like very prosperous, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm not saying like Saudi Arabia, like you can make it where they're just kind of like, it, It'd be interesting to put it where, you know, they're not, you would think they'd be super advanced, but they're actually like where you think they would be. Like, obviously futuristic, but not like the most like powerful. But then like, say like, I don't know, you could do like Iran has like a utopia or one of the, like one of the countries there has like a, a utopian city mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of like the PowerPoint for that region, right? Like I feel like there always has to be like a PowerPoint or portal for a region. And I think like when it comes to the Europe, Middle East, Russia region, like it would be the Middle East that has the PowerPoint there because mm-hmm. they were smart with their choosing of like how, events played out and in that game when you're trying to unify all those nations you they're almost like a rival to you right they they seem friendly to you they like your ideas but they don't know if they can kind of trust you so it goes on from there but when we go to the americas it's like 
certain parts of America are like, you know, kind of how we have the Rust Belt here, like along the Great Lakes where it's just like abandoned factories and stuff. Like a good chunk of America is just like abandoned, Mm. but they're like slums. So like these ones, one point these cities that were really thriving are like kind of really run down. And there's like maybe certain spots in when I think North America, you know, it's like it's like maybe a region in each area that has like a really strong point or two. And then all the other smaller areas are just like very basic, like not super advanced. And then, you know, you go down to South America where it's like almost protected. Like no one from anywhere else in the world has really tried to either have a war with them or anything. So they've been able to just kind of thrive. Like certain regions have some kind of internal conflict, but at the end of the day, they were able to put those conflicts aside and still kind of push themselves up. But they're kind of like that secret power, right? right? They're a very strong secret, not secretive, but just like, it's not really known to the world. Like they were able to kind of shut themselves off from the rest of the world. And because of that, there's like a power there that, you know, no one really knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. I want to yeah. see this game. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about it for such a long time, but it does like we, it is a huge, huge endeavor. <laughs> this title for sure. Like this is uh, I feel like more than a two man show to make that thing really happen. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, as far as, like, graphically and everything like that, it needs to be up there. Like, I'm thinking Final Fantasy Remake graphics, right? Like, it needs to be, like, pretty damn good, in my opinion. Like, It'd be cool to do 3D, but um, I'd be happy with maybe, like, high-def sprite work, almost. mm -hmm. Like, maybe Blasphemous level. Or I feel like it would be kind of hard to really get that just that vibe and the scale across, but maybe. What about like Eastward? Yeah, that's true, huh? Because they were able to make a huge grand city and just make it feel so alive. Yeah, I I mean 3D definitely would be fascinating. And with how Unreal Engine is now, I mean you could probably do it a lot easier i almost feel like maybe 3d would be better i don't know that's the vibe i'm feeling like i feel like this needs to be up there and like scale everything right Mm -hmm. maybe who knows maybe we can do a little tech demo of it as like a little 2d thing and see what we can do because there's some amazing 2d games out there for sure and amazing sprite games that are coming out that they're just kind of mind blowing the with what scale and um, imagery they have. So it could be possible. I'm not saying it's not, but I don't know. My mind always uh, like looks at this game or see visualize it in like that kind of style, more like the Final Fantasies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so 
I think that might do it for us this week. <laughs> We've talked a lot and, you know, thank you guys for listening in as a little peek behind the curtain of how our minds work whenever we've been discussing stuff. And th- this is just like one conversation of so many that we've had when we work together and like when we're not recording and talking about these kind of games. And it's just so much fun to really try and dive into what they can be and how far they can go. And like I said in the beginning of this episode, if you liked any of these ideas, let us know, right? Let let us know your thoughts on these because these are projects that we really want to work on and we are actually starting to, which is probably the most fun part, right? I feel like we've talked about it long enough. We have the couple of the games that I think will be amazing confidence builders and ways to boost up the community and things like that. But just to get us more comfortable with the idea of making games so that we can make some of these bigger, grandiose projects that we have uh, light out here. So, yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoy this stuff uh, and be on the lookout for some of these things actually coming coming to a console computer near you. <laughs> Hopefully soon. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, but with that, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week with the next set of games as we dive further into that amazing world there. Uh, But until then, bye for now.